Hello and welcome to Social Media Ministries. Thank you so much for being here. My name is Spencer Kaufman and we are in the midst of a great sermon series about the 12 apostles. We're almost halfway through. We're on number six. We've talked quite a bit about these apostles, so if you're, if you're joining us for the first time, please feel free to check out the playlist that'll be on our YouTube channel or on our website and you can listen or watch the rest of these uh, sermons on the 12 apostles. In addition, I really hope that you hit that subscribe button, the bell icon, follow wherever you are, because we've got more sermons coming up, and specifically, we've got a lot more of this series. We've got eight more of this series to go through. It's a 14-week sermon series, so stay tuned. We've got a lot of great stuff coming your way. In addition, please share these sermons with others on your social media networks because we need more people to start understanding what's in the Bible. If more people start reading the Bible and understanding the Bible, I truly believe we can change the world. It's not too late, especially in other countries, especially in the United States. The whole world can still turn to God. And how are they going to do that unless you share this with them. Seriously, seriously. So today, we're talking about Philip. We've already spoken about several of the other apostles. Hopefully you remember who they are. Less than 5% of the world's population, according to statistics, can name six. Hopefully you can name more. We've gone through a few. Who have we talked about? Simon Peter. We went through uh, his brother Andrew. We also talked about James and his brother John, so we've gone through four of them already. Today we're going to talk about Philip. Now who is Philip? Well, Philip was mentioned a few more times in the Bible than some of the other disciples, about 16 times, 15 or so different verses, and he was a Galilean. So he came from Galilee. He lived in the town of Bethsaida, which is the same town that Peter and Andrew are from. Let's read some Bible verses. we got a lot of verses coming up. So we're going to go to John chapter 1, verses 43 to 48. Now I'm going to read it to you. Uh, the verses will all be referenced in the description. So if you're otherwise occupied right now, I encourage you, please go back and look them up so you can get an understanding even deeper than what you're going to get today. John chapter 1, 43 to 48 says, The next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Okay, very good. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote about, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here is a true Israelite, in whom there is nothing false. Pretty good compliment coming from Jesus. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree, before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, the King of Israel. Pretty cool. Pretty cool story. So we know that uh, if, if the order is accurate, 
And we weren't really told anything about the order, but we can infer if, if Peter and James were called, or James first, then Peter, then Philip, then Nathaniel. But what about John and James? We don't know. Maybe they were called first too, or maybe a different order. But either way, that's not important. What's important right now is that Philip came from the same town of Peter and Andrew. Peter and Andrew were fishermen. Of course, James and John were also fishermen. Their father, Zebedee, had a pretty successful business. So it's very possible all these people knew each other. Philip was very likely a fisherman as well. Uh, how do we know that? Well, because he was from the town of Galilee. And he knew these other people. John 1, 44 also had some information which we just read. Now, what else? <clears throat> Philip was one of the first disciples called. One of the first. So probably in the top three or four. And how do we know that? Well, we just read it. Now, I, I turned away from the page, but we just read this. Philip, like Andrew and Peter. So we know Andrew and Peter were called before Philip. So Philip, like Andrew and Peter. Now, Philip went immediately to Nathanael and told him that he found Jesus. Immediately. It, it says right here, Philip said, follow me. Or he said, follow me. And Nathanael, then what? Philip found Nathanael right away. Jesus said to Philip, follow me. And Philip's like, okay, I'm out of here. I got to go find Nathanael. And he convinces Nathanael to come and find out for himself. Nathanael was skeptical, of course. But Philip pressed on. He said, can, can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see. Come and see. Don't just take my word for it. Come and see for yourself. And so Philip then brought Nathanael to Jesus, and Nathanael was convinced. Philip had the heart of a missionary. From the, from the get-go, he had the heart of a missionary. He was ready. He demonstrated absolute faith in Jesus Christ and the willingness to overcome skepticism, doubt, or any of that uncertainty. He, he knew. He was like, I'm going to pass through this, persevere, and I will convince everyone else. He was willing to believe and believe 100%. Philip gave everything he had to Christ. And in return, Christ used him to further his kingdom. Now, Philip went and found Nathaniel. We'll talk about him next week. He also could be named Bartholomew. And so, we will, we will talk about him next week. Philip brought Bartholomew, or Nathaniel, to the group. Christ used Philip to further his kingdom. Now, Philip, he hung out with Andrew a lot. Philip and Andrew, or Philip and Bartholomew, they're kind of um, put together. There was a, a, a couple spots that Philip has in the Bible that we can learn a little bit more about him. If we go to John chapter 12, verses 20 to 22, so John 12, 20 to 22, it says, Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the feast. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew, 
And then Andrew and Philip, in turn, told Jesus. Now, we spoke a little bit about this when we talked about Andrew and how Andrew was willing to take the matter to Jesus and, and bold enough to do that. Philip was there, too. Philip had the request first. And Philip is the kind of person who, when he hears good news, he cannot help but share it with someone. Jesus called him. That's amazing news. And he went immediately and told Nathaniel. These people say, hey, we want to meet Jesus. This is like even better. He didn't even have to seek them out. People are now coming to Philip saying, we want Jesus. And what does Philip do? Goes immediately to another disciple and says, hey, these people want to meet Jesus. Let's go. And he, he's like a rallier. Something happens and he's instantly out there telling other people. He's a missionary. Philip also played a role in the feeding of the 5,000. This is in John chapter 6, verses 6 and 8. Let's check that out. Verses 6 and 8. He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Now, who is this? What are we talking about? Well, let's back up a little bit. Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him. Oh my goodness, a whole crowd. How many? Well, this is about 5,000 men. So maybe 10,000 people, including women and children. He said to Philip, so he said this to Philip. He said, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Because they're in a remote area. He asked this, Jesus asked this to Philip only to test Philip. You don't believe God tests you? You think it's only from the devil? Guess what? God is testing you. He may use the devil as a tool to test you, but it's God that is testing you. He said this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. So Jesus already knew. Jesus is like, crowd coming. I got it, God. Crowd coming. 10,000 people. 5,000 men, bunch of women and kids. They're all hungry. They're all hungry. All right, God, I'll do it, Father. And so he's like, I'll use this as a teaching moment. Philip. Look at all these people coming. Where are we going to get bread for all them? And Philip's probably like, holy moly, what are we going to do? But Philip said, eight months wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have only a bite. Eight months wages. How much do you make in a year? You make a hundred grand a year? Wow, that'd be a lot of money. You make 50 grand a year, eight months of that. You make 80 grand a year. Divide it all by 12 and 8 months. That's three quarters. You make 100 grand a year, there'd be $75,000. Would not buy enough bread for everyone to have only a bite. Not a slice, a bite. That means you'd need a year's wages. This is a lot of money. This is a lot of people. Another of his disciples, Andrew. Here's where we come up with Andrew. We read about him before. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. He became bold. He said, here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? But back to Philip. Jesus said this to Philip only to test him. And Philip's response was, eight months wages would not cover it. We, we don't, we, what do you mean buy? Forget where are we going to buy the stuff. Where are we going to get the money to buy it? There, there are bigger problems here, is what Philip was saying. Jesus asked him only to test Philip. He didn't say, Lord, we couldn't possibly go buy this stuff. We're, 
a day's walk from the nearest market. And even if we got there, it would take the baker a, uh, six weeks to bake enough bread for everyone. And where would we get the money? He didn't go into this doubting role. He just made a comment. Lord, eight months wages would not buy enough for everyone to even have a bite. Saying like, you got to do something. We can't do it. Jesus already had in mind what he was going to do. We can learn a little bit more from this, but to do that, we got to go to another verse. Another verse, John 14, John chapter 14, verses 8 and 9. 14, 8 and 9. And then we'll, we'll dive into this. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Now, this of course could be a sermon in all, all and of itself. But we're talking about Philip. These two instances tell us a lot about Philip and his character. You say, how? It's only a couple verses. Well, with the Holy Spirit you can discern even more. We have Philip saying, Lord, eight months wages would not buy enough for everyone to even have a one bite. Then here he's saying, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough. What is the point of this? We have a couple other instances. The one where he finds Jesus and Philip immediately goes and tells Nathaniel or Bartholomew. Then the other, when people are now coming to him saying, hey, we want Jesus, Philip runs and tells Andrew and then they go tell Jesus. Philip is saying, Lord, you are enough. We can't do this. Where are we going to buy bread? Lord, we can't even buy the bread. You got to do something. Lord, show us the Father. That's enough for us. That's all we need. And then when Jesus is coming to him, he's immediately telling other people because why? He knows, hey, Jesus is the one. Jesus is the way. Immediately, boom, Nathaniel, come on. Jesus is the one. Some, some people want Jesus. Boom, Andrew, come on, we got to go. We got to help these people meet Jesus. Philip is the master missionary. He is like the guy who is just, something happens and bam, he's out there immediately telling. The meeting isn't even over and Philip is already out there telling everybody about it. Now you could say, oh, he's just a gossip. But he's not a gossip. What is he sharing? He's sharing good things. He's out there bringing joy and hope to other people. Later on in Philip's life, he became a missionary in Asia. Traveled all over. He, he uh, eventually traveled to the Egyptian city of Heliopolis. He continued preaching the gospel throughout his whole life. He was eventually thrown into prison. With who? Bartholomew or Nathaniel, The one that he brought to Jesus. They went out together and they were eventually thrown in prison together. How did they do that? Well, they converted the preconsul's wife to Christianity. Pretty serious. The preconsul obviously saw this as an act of betrayal from his wife. We've seen this before uh, with another, another disciple who converted Herod, Herod's wife and son to Christianity. This was James. And uh, he was accused and then later beheaded. And James's accuser was so moved that he was beheaded with him on the spot. 
Now, if that's incorrect or wrong, you can feel free to comment below because, of course, I don't have all the sermons in front of me in the notes and I only can remember so much. But he, Bar, uh, Philip and Bartholomew converted the preconsul's wife to Christianity. The preconsul says, no, this is un unacceptable. So he sentences them to death. They, they both get thrown into prison. They both get tortured and then crucified. They're going to be crucified. Hung upside down, though. They're crucified upside down. So this is already, uh, some deaths have already happened with St. Andrew. Remember, he was crucified on an X-shaped cross. And then we also have Peter, who requested to be crucified upside down. Uh, they both could have been uh, converting other people as well, and then that was why they were sentenced to crucifixion. So on thinking of it, uh, it could be incorrect that it was James that, that converted the wife and son. But uh, again, check out the playlist, watch the other messages, and you will know for sure who it was that did that. But Philip and Bartholomew were both crucified and then put on a cross upside down. And so it was very likely Peter was probably crucified before they were because now the upside down cross had become a thing. Peter requested that he was also to be crucified upside down because he felt that he was unworthy to die like Christ. And so it's very likely that Philip and Bartholomew were sentenced to crucifixion after that had already happened, but it doesn't make any difference one way or another. The point is, they were preaching till the very end, sentenced to crucifixion, they were crucified, hung upside down on a cross, and Philip was preaching from the cross, upside down, blood running like crazy, preaching, his head only a foot off the ground, people probably walking by, kicking him in the teeth, preaching from the cross, pleading. As a result, guess what? They were somehow compelled to let Bartholomew go. Through, through this, that's what happened. The, the guards or the, the Roman, wherever he was being crucified in, in Egypt or wherever, the preconsul, if they were being crucified in Rome, they were convinced to let Bartholomew go. And, and Philip was probably saying, let him go, let him go, let him go. And he, he was let go, he was released. But Philip insisted that they not release him. For some reason, Philip wanted to stay there and die. Maybe he had just had enough. Maybe he, his mission was to get Bartholomew off of there. We don't know. But, but he insisted that he stayed and he ended up dying upside down on that cross. Philip was a missionary. Philip was a person who was always out there spreading the good news. Doesn't matter where. Philip, yes, he traveled all over Asia. We can follow his example. He traveled all over Egypt. That's the Middle East. We can follow his example. He was all over in Italy. We can follow his example. Going and preaching. Now, Philip didn't, he, he went to other countries and everything, but he didn't have to get on a plane to be a missionary. He started in his hometown and went from there. You can do the same. Whether you live in the United States, in Canada, in Europe, in Asia, wherever you live, start there. Go. Just like Philip. You get some good news, you get something, you immediately run and you tell other people, hey, check this out. Today we have it easy. All we can do is click a share button. Type a little comment. Hey, check this out. And hope people will see it. Or you can get out there and tell them, word of mouth. 
that's a little more difficult, but you can do it. You can have that courage and be like Philip and get out there and share Jesus with others. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for Philip. Thank you for the incredible person that he was and the devout missionary that he was, the willingness he had to just always be out there telling other people about Jesus, the faith that he had in Jesus, and the, the certainty that he had that he knew every time Jesus would provide. Even when he was tested, he knew he's, Jesus had to do something. He knew that they couldn't do it alone. Lord, I ask that you would instill that mentality into each and every one of us. That we would know that we have to fully rely on Jesus. That we cannot do it alone. That we need Jesus to work in our lives and work through us in order to accomplish things here on earth for the kingdom. And Lord, I ask that each and every person would have that desire inside of them to go out and tell others, to share the good news, to preach, to introduce people to Christ exactly like Philip did. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're almost halfway through our series. I hope you come back next week. We will be talking about Bartholomew. Have a great week, and God bless.